IPC, and when we came to Memphis, we brought with us this partnership, this relationship that we've had since 2001 with very dear friends in Tanzania. And Ed and the missions committee, Sean, uh, and really all of the staff have embraced this partnership and you all as a congregation, both through budgets and uh, through special offerings, have supported an annual conference uh, that we have conducted for 20 years for pastors in Tanzania this last May. We had 400 pastors and wives together, and Matt Beyer and Robert Browning and I had the privilege of being the faculty for that conference. And folks uh, through the years have contributed uh, for um, other projects, water well projects, and help with the diocese medical initiatives. And these folks with whom we have this relationship um, have become very dear to many of us. And it's a, it's a privilege for me tonight to introduce um, my good friend, Bishop Peter Faris Kisena. Uh, the bishop is one of six bishops in the Africa Inland, Inland Church, Tanzania, which is an indigenous denomination. The denomination is the fruit of the work of the Africa Inland Mission, if you are familiar with AIM. Uh, AIM's ministry led uh, to uh, the birth of this denomination in 1909, and then in 1938, um, AIM uh, turned the whole of uh, the denomination over to indigenous leadership, and it has grown through the decades since then. So it's a, it's a great honor for me to welcome and introduce uh, my good friend, Bishop Peter Forrest, who will bring our uh, conference to a conclusion this evening. Bishop, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think, I think you're my... Let's just make sure... Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Mike Malone. The way we call you as you come to Tanzania. Um, it's just, again, a great honor and privilege to be before you and to speak this uh, evening. Um, someone was, asked, was telling me somewhere that, are you nervous? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, let I me... Mean, um, say uh, thank you very much, um, Pastor Sean, for making me avail and stand before this uh, man and godly people whom God has chosen. Um, I have been introduced, and let me just bring greetings from my family and greetings from the church, the diocese of the African and church, and also the church at large. Uh, this is my lovely wife, as you can see her. No? Oh, <laughs> thanks. And that is me. 
And uh, we have a family, that is the family. It's a family of six children and us as making the eighth people. Um, I come from that uh, continent and uh, that's the country that I come from, Tanzania. And I have to now keep watching here so that I'm not saying that you see. Um, and that is Tanzania. And uh, that is the place on a dotted kind of um, spot. is the place where the diocese is. And uh, the map of the diocese is there. And we, we serve in Tanzania. I serve in Tanzania in the, uh, the region we call Mara but also we have the island that we call Ukerewe. And that's what now you get the Mara and the Ukerewe diocese. Um, that's where now the Mara region is. And uh, I've already shown you. And this is the flag of Tanzania. And this is what now you see me wearing here, is the flag of Tanzania. And in it also we have the logo of the church, the African Land Church Tanzania. And uh, in Tanzania, we have a blessing of having those kinds of animals. And the Kilimanjaro, as you see, and we have the lions, you have the giraffe, you have all those kinds of animals. I want to, uh, in a specific way, to uh, thank God, especially for the partnership that we have had over the years that the Independent Presbyterian Church has been a blessing to our church, the African Land Church of uh, Tanzania in the Mara and the Ukerewe Diocese. And uh, these blessings, as I can say, they are from various areas. Like we have four areas that you guys have touched the lives of people on the pastoral care and teachings and prayers, like Pastor Mike Malone, who has been coming, and also uh, Pastor uh, Robert Brown. And again, as we were on the Zoom, we had Pastor Sean. And uh, we have Matt Bayer, who has also visited the place, and others. So you have really ministered to the uh, hearts of the people there. But also social services, that very soon I will show you what has been happening on the pictures form. And... Uh, the leadership development, just as we have, have mentioned on the conferences, the uh, pastors' conferences. And uh, see, we have now been brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just like the church in Tanzania, but the church in Tanzania and America. Um, that is just a sample of one of the conferences. It begins more, as you can see the other picture, on the, on the side, and the other one is like full of people. It was last year when Pastor Mike Malone and Robert Brown and Marty Bayer came, so we had like uh, over 300 pastors and their spouses who came for the conference, so it was refreshing. And here is one of the social services that uh, you guys have uh, offered and have helped the communities in Tanzania to get water. See, that is, and um, 
you see the buckets, the way the buckets of the Jerichans that you can see, you know, it was a, an excitement moment where, you know, people had to come to fetch water for the first time to have it nearer. So it was just a neat thing. And I also want to add to it that we have the health facilities, which also you have contributed a lot to the church in Tanzania. And uh, underneath it, I mean, we have also this uh, transportation means that also was, um, was donated through the offerings you guys uh, uh, have offered. And we, we, we thank you very much. But again, um, we have a surgical unit that is on construction that is soon going to possibly uh, come to the... Uh, I'm sorry, the pictures are running. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that is the surgical unit. But now we also thank God for the way you have also provided for the people and for the pastors uh, to, have, uh, to have food. Like this were bags of corn. And we communicated somehow with uh, uh, Pastor Mike Malone. That was, you know, especially during uh, the time of COVID, uh, it really hit bad in the country. As a result, some of the pastors were struggling getting their, their dish, you know. And so as a bishop, um, I was required also to, uh, you know, you feel that uh, empathy, but you, you, you feel like you don't have enough to provide for everyone. But again, now you pray, and as friends now come together, uh, we join hands in helping. And so this is what happened. They were very happy, and actually they sent me um, thanks to you, that thank our brothers and sisters who really helped us during this time where we were suffering, we were agonizing because our families did not have enough to, to, to provide for food. And uh, also children were happy. And uh, I think Pastor Mike Malone would recognize that lady behind the children is uh, uh, one of the local churches at Amman. She's called Grace. And the Grace loves children very much. And so this time around, as they were getting their gifts, so she also was with, with, with them. And we also do evangelism and pastoral training, uh, uh, visitations, and these uh, kind of visitations that we do, um, normally we use, uh, we use uh, our car, my car that I have as, as, as a leader of the diocese, but when we go to the islands, we, uh, we don't use cars. All we use is what you can see there is the boat. So I was climbing on top of, of the boat so to go to the other island. So uh, just keep that in mind. That is the diverse of this diocese, the way it is geographically. Sometimes you travel through water, sometimes on the land, and some, you know, that's how it, it, it happens. And we have this group. Uh, people who are living with, with HIV positive, and they, they are taken care uh, through our clinic, the health center that we have. And so they are always happy, and we have called them the group uh, by the name Kazaroho, uh, means meaning take heart, take heart. 
And so they are always happy. They have their families. When they come, and here they were trying to do some, some work uh, that would uh, increase their income all together as on their community kind of a, 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 a situation. And so um, I want to really thank you very much because of what God has been using you as we partner together uh, in Tanzania. And now, let me switch from the appreciation that I have given to you on behalf of the uh, Diocese of Mare and Ukerewe to go to the scriptures. I want to bring scriptures today uh, for us in the book of First Corinthians, uh, chapter 9, verse 19 to 23. The Bible says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I myself I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I, by, by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. This is the word of the Lord. Um, as I was a student at uh, Scott Christian University in Kenya, um, one of our professors brought a person whom we did not know why he brought him. And he was dressed in a gown like I am today and with a hat like I am dressed. And he had him sit up front. And uh, as he was introducing him, he never introduced him as a Christian. But he said, he's a, a brother that I have come with so you can chat and ask questions. Now as... This brother began sharing what he had. He introduced himself before the students. And now after his introduction, he said names that we are not Christians, Christian. And now after his introduction, he even posed a question to, to us as Christians. And now what happened, it was a question about refuting Christianity not to be a religion that is from Allah, from God. And now we are trying to defend, to say things about who God is and what he means to us. But he could not even admit. He even added more questions. And to, as a result, 
We, everyone in the class was confused and some were angry and, you know, things like that. And now, this was the situation of students. I remember when I was assigned to go work among Muslims, I would ask myself this question. How can I live? How can I go and live and serve God among a people that I don't match with them? How? That was my question. And I think it was our question when we met this person that how can we live and stay with this man who is asking us questions, tough questions, and he seems to be opposed to Christianity. It was something that was irritating to us. But later, he introduced himself. He reintroduced himself. He said, I am a Christian. The, the, the point I made, made myself appear the way I have appeared to you was because I wanted you to test how it is because I was a Muslim. And people were repellent. They did not want to approach me. But now I'm a Christian, one of you. And so it was my question. Now I'm going to these Rangi people. And if you Googled the Rangi people, the Rangi people is one of the, the 120 tribes in Tanzania. But they are mainly Muslims. And now I was to go and serve among these people. So it was a question, how would I even begin living and staying there? And as I arrived in the place, just, it was, you know, I, I remembered this. Joseph went to Egypt. And he lived among a people that were not his own. How did he do it? Because we read from the, the scriptures, he testified about his living God in him. And people understood who he was until he brought his family to Egypt. Because he was honored. Now, but he began in a rough way. But later, God turned it into a blessing that he was like a savior to many people in the world that time. But again, Daniel was serving in this community. Even his name was changed. And even he was kind of forced to transfer himself from his culture to another culture in mind. And even the food, he was to eat the food of the Babylonians. But he said, no, I don't want to defile myself. This was Daniel. But again, what about Paul? Here, he's now telling us, Paul is saying, when, because of the gospel, when I go to the Jews, I become like one of them for the sake of getting them. When I go to those who are legalists, I become like a person who is a legalist, but the aim is to get them. That's what Paul is saying in the book of Corinthians. So these were the three gurus, I can call, 
who actually changed, transformed me in a way that I felt like at home in a strange world. Because I went among, to serve among these people, but as we, I began serving among them, there, was, uh, there, was, there were so many things which um, uh, were like a kind of opposed. But because I was, I was, uh, uh, I was, I just understood from these seven points the biblical truth. I call them biblical truth. One, the knowledge of God helped me. The knowledge of God helped me very much. Because there was a time one man from this Islamic community, he approached me after I just said the, uh, the Islamic phrase, Assalamu Alaikum. Now, when I said Assalamu Alaikum, he approached me and he said, Now, you need to be a Muslim. And we have to baptize you. I said, this is just a greeting. And assalamu alaikum means shalom, means peace be upon you. But for, to him, because it was like associated with Islam, so, he, so the knowledge of God to me was enough. And again, because of that, the knowledge of my personal testimony, the way God saved me. I remembered that, and I, I, I kept that within myself, that I know who I was before when I got converted. I was a sinner, but Christ came and saved me. And also, I knew the purpose of my being. I knew the purpose of my being in this community, that I was there, I was sent by God, to witness to these people about Christ and also the message that I had was very important. The knowledge of my personal call, the way God called me, where he called me was very important. The knowledge of my unique position in Christ, that whoever is in Christ, as the Bible says, he has become the new creation. So I am a new creation among a people who always said, inshallah, meaning if God wills, then we will be the way he wants us to be. But for me, I knew that God has already willed, and I am saved, and I'm in him, and no matter what happens, if I die now, I go to heaven because of this strong seven truth were very key and important to me as I lived among these people, among the Muslims. But now, as we were a team, and this team was under AIM, African Land Mission, and I was the first team, I was a member of the team. But for the second team, I was a leader for the team. And as we went to serve among these people, we had these 12 values that every member 
needed to have and to, to assimilate because they were very important. And so one of the values was we were in this community to seek the lost. We were in this community to seek the lost. But the other value was about a commitment to learn the local language and the culture. And that's why even today as I'm dressed like this, it means a lot to me that I remember Muslims and I pray for them. I have kept on telling others that, well, the spirit of Islam is what is evil. But Muslims are created in the image of God and they need salvation. So learning their local language, learning their culture meant a lot. And it made us connect with them. That way, as we spoke, you know, I began like a young child, you know, speaking the, their language. And they would laugh, smile, but that was a good connector. So as I lived among them. So the other thing was about relationship. That's how we are geared to relate, to relate. So relationship between our neighbors. And now you see how we were to live in this community. We were, you know, there were villages there, like in, in one of the wards, like five villages. And now we scattered ourselves into every family to, to represent our team to live in one local family, uh, one local village. And the other one, so we are like scattered like that. Now, the aim was to relate with our neighbors. And so that we are not just relating one another there as Christians, because we went there as the sort and light to the world, so that Muslims could come to the faith of Christ as they see our lives. So the other thing was about lifestyle, and we called it lifestyle proclamation, I mean, uh, proclaiming the gospel through the life, the way we lived. And I remember a story of one of the Muslims. He approached me one day, and he told me, Peter, it seems that you are a different person here in the community. I asked him, why do you say so? He said, the way you live with your wife is very different from how we live with our wives. He said, why do you say so? Because I see like it's just a normal thing. I mean, he, to him he said, no, we have, I have seen you. And so lifestyle it was key. It was something to, you know, living a certain light. It was very important. And we called it the ministry of the presence. The ministry of the presence. Again, just as I have said, number five was about living among those that we seek to save. And we also were as students, learners within the community. And the other thing was about a simple lifestyle. Because we are in this community, so we had to learn how we can live as they are also living, so that we are not so of a different, that when they see us, you know, we, they see us like just foreigners. But we wanted to live as they live. 
And the other thing was teamship, because we were a group of 12, a group of 12 missionaries. And now, this group of 12 missionaries, we were called Timo. And the Timo meant t uh, training in ministry outreach. So we were being trained while in ministry. And so we were working as a team, but again, we were learners. We did not just go there to teach everything that we had. We also had to learn. As we learned, so that was like a bridge to the gospel. And the other thing was about prayer. We had to engage ourselves always in prayer, be it individually, be it a family, or with the team. So it was always prayer, and we called prayer as a ministry. And also, we were training and reaching the lost, just as I said, the first value that we had. But also, we, say, we said, ministry flows out of being. The way I am, so ministry just is, becomes visible. I mean, the message becomes visible. And that's why this man had to approach me and say, there is something different from our way we, we, we view things and we teach things. So you are different because ministry flows out of being. And the last one was about we focused to have a congregation begin as a church plant among these people. And so all of these 12 values made us to comfortably, though with challenges, to exist within this com community. And so we thank God that by the time I left at first to go back to school in 2008, we had planted two churches. And so it was just amazing because we began by like being uh, repelled not to stay in the community. And I, I remember in the year 1999, when they discovered that these people are here to convert us to become Christians, they forcefully wrote a letter to the Minister of Home Affairs of the government that we are people who are not uh, uh, doing what we say by mouth, but we are there trying to skin people's skins and again to take their blood, but again to force them to become who we are. And you know the constitution in Tanzania says everyone is free to choose what they want, but now we are forcing. The other thing is we are doing mining of minerals like gold at night. I don't know how we woke up at night and went to dig the mining. I don't know. But they said, and the other thing is, if we were Christians and ministers of the gospel, why didn't we have a church structure? So those were the five accusations. And so the passports of, of my brothers and sisters who came uh, somewhere from America and somewhere from Canada were taken. And now it was like for one week we struggled and we prayed, God help us. And now just to hear and after one week, then there were no phone calls like mobile calls. 
we were having what we called radio calls. And so our team leader was called that you now have to come uh, because your passports have been given back. How did, they, did it happen? Because this regional officer of the immigration office, he, she was a Christian. And when she understood that we were Christians trying to reach Muslims to become Christians, now what she said, I am also a believer. I want you to take your passports back and I will be visiting you. So it was something that God did to us. And so we praise God for that. And now from that time, because one of the accusations was we did not have a church building. Now what we did, we went back to the village, to the local leaders, and we asked them, could you give us land if you have one? They said, just write a letter. And we undermined our request. We wrote only three acres. Now when we went, when they took us to show us where there was a land, it was over 50 acres. But they said, now we are giving you only seven because you asked for three. A Muslim community. It just turned because of the relationship, but again, because in God's miraculous way, things happened that way. So the church at first was planted, and then second church. Now when I came back as a leader of Timor two, I went to this other local community. It was 100% Muslims. We began ministry for one year, the second year. And the third year, something was happening, and some people were becoming Christians. And so my fourth year, I had to move to go to college again. And uh, because first, the first church that we planted, there were now disciples whom we discipled, and some of them had already gone to Bible school. So we called one to come, and he is now the pastor in charge from this community of these three local churches. So I praise God for all that has happened over the years. And now, There was, there were four things that I just want to mention quickly that encouraged us as they accused us with the letter. One was because of our knowledge of God as the creator, we knew we are standing firm and he is with us. And again, the knowledge of the Bible, knowing the context of the people, was very important. And again, knowing the constitution of the country, it was very key to us that we knew as we followed up what, you know, could come as against us. So the constitution was um, very helpful as we knew that people are free. And we are there, not like uh, people who are forcing people, but we are there to preach and let people decide for themselves to follow Jesus Christ. So, I uh, want to thank God very much for this uh, time as we have had it together here. And strongly I believe that it is very possible for us as Christians to live a life that is transformative and a Christian. Even among a people that we do not match. For this reason, 
I suggest that all that we need to do is to have the knowledge of Christ, our God and Savior. May God help us and continue being with us. Just going back to the question I had, how can I live among a people that do not match my faith? How could I have survived, even you know, surviving among a people that did not match my culture just because of the values I have mentioned, but again, the truth, the seven truth. And now, the knowledge of the four things, the creator, the constitution, the culture, and that faith that we have in Christ. May God help us. And thank you very much for also making me conclude what I have just said in connection to what I and I, I just, um, I'm, I'm jealous of what you guys have been going through because you have learned a lot. And mine was just to, like, was it? <laughs> to put the seal up on top and to share about my, my experience. This is a personal experience of what happened to me. And now, before I leave the stage, and before maybe, if there are any questions, before I am asked, I want to share this story of a lady. And this was before I joined a Bible school, who actually uh, came to church in one of the churches that I was attending, and she gave a testimony where everyone clapped hands. And now, look what she was explaining. It was a time she went to one of the cities, and she encountered a demon. She called a demon. Now, when she was explaining, it was a person dressed in the way I am. And to her, it was a demon. And so there's a, a, people think Muslims are no good people. We were also not good, but only saved by grace. So also, as we live among those that we don't match, let God work through us, because we already know the truth. Yeah. Yeah, any questions possibly? Perhaps you could pray for us, and I'd love for you to pray in Swahili, and then we'll take a few questions before we break. Let's pray. Tuombe. Baba mwenyezi mungu mtakatifu. Tunakushukuru sana kwa jioni ya leo. Umekuwa pamoja na watumishi wako hawa. Umekuwa pamoja na kila moja wetu hapa. Naomba Mungu apekee uendelee kutuongoza na kutusaidia. Bariki kanisa lako, chungaji, shona ambaye ni kiongozi wa kanisa na wachungaji wengine wote. Wana uwe pamoja nao. Wabariki na useme nao wakati wote. Utusaidie Bwana kanisa lako ambalo ni moja duniani. Tunajua upo na utaendelea kutuongoza. Asante kwa yote haya maana tunaomba ni kwa jina la Yesu Kristo. Amen. 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 Sean is the runner. 
Robert is the walker. I will be the trotter. I will trot to you if you have a question. Do you have a question that you'd like to address to the bishop? Anything? Yeah, Mike. I'm, I'm just wondered about the danger involved with you living among Muslims that uh, before they're converted, before they uh, become Christians. Are you threatened? Uh, good question. Thank you very much. Uh, let me just give um, a simple uh, one, one story that happened. Yes, of course, you are threatened. But one story was this. A man came to me in the evening. It was at 6, I remember. And he came running and he told me, be careful. What is said in the mosque does not, I mean, it's not good for you. They are seeking to kill you. So you need to be going home early. Because we are living like separated from the, you know, when they gave us this land, it was separated from the village. And so there was a pathway to go to my home. So when you went back home at that time, it was dangerous a little bit because there were bush trees in between. And so, yes, there was that danger. But I said, if God has brought me, I will stay and I will continue. And actually, I continued until my 10 years, the first years. So thank you. But again, it was not only to me as a minister, but also to whoever became a Christian. There was a fault. I mean, there was a like an opposition and a separation from the community. And even we had to live with some of the, those who got converted in my home. That way to encourage them, but again to protect them. Yeah. Bishop, following, following up with that, you, you mentioned that um, w one young man lived with you for three years, yeah. I think, um, lived in your home because it wasn't safe right. for him to be. In the right. community, yeah. yeah. Another question. Oh, come on, guys. Yes, George. I'm I'm trotting. I'm trotting. <laughs> you showed the the well that was built. Uh, how many have y'all built, and what impact has that had on the community and your ministry? Thank you. Um, we have now built 123 wells, and they have really impacted the communities, especially in these villages where the wells are. And uh, the strategy has been that where there is a church, that's where we, we, we build the well. Because the well was to, uh, to announce love and to show the love of Christ in the community. But again, those who are now suffering from lack of water and some are not going to work early because in search of water, so they could now begin going early. But again, for the children who are like, were, I mean, we are hindered from going to school because of searching water. So now you find that the children were now going to school. But again, the, those kind of uh, diseases, the waterborne diseases that you get from uh, dead water, now it was not an issue. So really, the 123 wells have 
helped the communities. And uh, as a result, we have more requests even where we don't have a church. You ask, you tell them, we don't come where there's no church. I mean, particularly the church that we are overseeing. And now, what they say, we are ready to provide land for you to begin a church. So which means the wells have been very attractive even for the gospel to be, to, to, to move faster where we were not, not even thinking. Yeah. Thank you, George. Yeah, Canon. So you took your family with you. Yes. How is it for your kids? Um, thank you very much. Um, the first thing is, in the first community uh, we stayed, um, my wife was just pregnant of our firstborn who was born in 1999. Now, when she was born, we had to take someone to, you know, to take care of this young one. And now, he was, she was also young, ready to go to her, 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 her standard, her, her grade one of the school. And now, when we took her to this Islamic school, she came one day to our home, crying, and she was saying, you know, she was my brother's child. It was that way, you know, with these uh, families in Africa, you can ask your brother's child to, leave, to stay with you, to care for them as you also they help uh, to care uh, for, for their siblings. And now she told us that we were, we were forced to, to, to sit down where Muslims were asked to stand up in the class. It was during Ramadan in the month of fast, when Muslims fast for that month. And now this teacher was a Muslim. And all that stood, except a few who were Christians, they were told, yell at them, because they are evil people. They don't fast. So she came crying, saying, you know, it was not easy for children. And that's why now, after that, I had to take all of my children to another Christian school far away. So we stayed. Like the first one, we took her as she was six. She went there. And the second one also. And the third one. And the fourth one. Now, only the two, as I am now there, so because they are still young, uh, we, we kept them with us, because now in the Mara and the Ukerewe region, Islam is there, but it's not tense as it was where we were. So, yes, children would suffer. Yeah. Bishop Robert reminded me um, regarding the young man who came to live with you mm -hmm. that when you built your house, when your house was built for you as a pastor, you constructed it with extra rooms, right. anticipating that there would be those who would be converted mm -hmm. and who would be ostracized and who would need a place yeah. uh, of safety. So that, that was a part of your thinking even as you mm -hmm. uh, built your home, Yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Another question. Yeah, I'm trotting. Thank you. 
Bishop Peter, how can we as a congregation pray for you personally and your family? And then how can we pray for the African Inland Church in Tanzania? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, as a family, uh, pray for our children. Uh, they are in school. One graduated in uh, two years ago, and she wants also to join another school. But all of them are in school. Just pray that God will provide for them as they continue uh, studying. So one is joining university this year in September. And the other one who graduated wants to join a university. She graduated with an, a diploma of accounts. And so she wants to pursue that to get a bachelor's level. And so the other, others are still in uh, elementary school, the two. And now the other two are also in high school. So just pray for them. But now uh, also pray for my wife who also um, has... You know, this is a long story again. I don't want to go back to that story. When I went to, uh, for further studies in, in, in Nairobi uh, for my two years uh, of uh, leadership studies, uh, she also joined the school wanting to help our own children at home. So she went to a, a school that uh, teaches on how to care for the young ones. And now as she came back, it was down in Mwanza, and just nearby our, our home. Uh, she came back, she began now helping these uh, two boys. And later the neighbors also said, okay, we want our children also to come, because there was no school nearby for the young ones. And now that way, when now she began educating them, now they said, why shouldn't you just make it a school? So she, 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 she began a school that way. Yeah, and so pray for her because she's now like a kind of, she's a mother, and she has to be with me as, as, as the leader of, of, of the church, but again, she has to uh, supervise that school. It has now like 140 uh, uh, students, I mean children. Yeah, so pray for her. But again, uh, pray for me. I need energy and wisdom. And sometimes like... You go in many places, people think you have, you are the answer, you know. The bishop is here, so provide for us. You know, we have just put up the wall of the church building. Now, help us to get the roofing. That was just one. But again, you go to others, they are retired pastors. Okay, I have been going hungry for some time. Can you help me? And again, you go to this family, I am sick, you know. Uh, can you call your doctors? And they know we have that hostel. <laughs> and so, I mean, wisdom and good decisions on matters. Yeah, and again, protection, because I know the devil is not happy when I'm working for the glory of God, taking people away from him, so he's not happy. So just for protection. And again, for the AICT, unity, because now we have dioceses. So we need to be united as we work together. So we have six dioceses. Now we are going to add one more to be seven. And we are now five bishops, and one is going to retire. And again, we are going to elect three more to make seven. So just pray for unity, especially for the archbishop who makes us come together to discuss over matters 
concerning the church. So pray for that. Yeah, and again, so that we are the light and sort within the community. Yeah. Can I offer just a couple of quick words of explanation? Mm. Uh, the bishop is a bishop. That is his title. Through the years, people have wondered if this, is, um, this denomination is uh, a part of the worldwide Anglican communion. And the answer is no. It is an indigenous denomination. Uh, they do have bishops, but their bishops really are pastors to their pastors. They're vision casters. Um, they, he has a marvelous staff, and that staff works together uh, to serve uh, the pastors of the diocese. Um, Peter has 183 churches for which he's responsible. So when he asks for energy, I understand what, he, what he's asking for. Um, and, and very interestingly, the local churches uh, are actually governed and shepherded by elders. So it's a kind of a marvelous marriage. And since I'm honorably retired and no longer subject to prosecution, I can say this. It's a, it's a marvelous marriage in, in, in some ways of the best of, of an Anglican form of government where the pastors really, or the bishops really are pastors to the pastors, but the local churches are governed by elders at the local level. level. It's really pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah. I think we have time for one more question, and then I'll have a closing comment, and we'll, we'll go. Yeah. Thanks, Bishop. I appreciate your time. The, your organization and your motivation for going into church planting, I think that the, the neat thing about that is every church planter in the world could look at your strategy of, of self-reasoning uh, uh, for why you went into church planting and then your organization's ideas of how do we go into a community with respect and honoring that community uh, yet bring the gospel to them. I think that those points, you know, every every church planter we support in our church ought to have those couple of pages and, and fill out those same things like you did about why they're motivated to go into it. So I thought just not really a question, but just the universal nature of your ideas behind what brought you to church planting and your organization's strategy was, was wonderful. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thanks, Mel. Okay, let me, um, let me just make a, a quick concluding uh, comment and tell you how thankful we are, Bishop, that you um, have come all this way to be with us. Thanks for your partnership. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, having Robert and Matt can both uh, attest to this. Having been among you, I know that you pray for us. Um, and I know personally and others who have been uh, on mission trips, short-term mission trips, know, and this really is true, that there is as much benefit for us in this partnership as you think that there might be for you. So thank you so much for this partnership, for the, for the invitations, for the encouragement that we receive. Thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. You're dismissed. Um, missions committee.
I will, I will do that. Missions Committee folks, we're going to meet in the third floor conference room uh, with the bishop for a little more Q&A, if you can join us. And if anybody wants to crash that party, you're welcome to come. Let me pray. Father, thank you uh, so very much for this, for this month, um, for this Christian Life Conference, for the things we've heard uh, from start to finish about about how to engage the world around us, the culture around us with, with decency, with kindness, and with grace, with love. Um, we need your help in this, uh, whether we live in Tanzania or Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we need for you to grant us the grace that will enable us to live lives that would draw attention to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, so grant us that grace. Help us in that way. Thank you for Bishop Peter. Thank you for all of his pastors, his staff. May your blessing rest upon them. Would you supply every need that they have according to your riches in kindness in the Lord Jesus Christ? And would you continue to do that for us here at IPC? And we trust you that this partnership, as well as other partnerships that we have, that the diocese has, uh, that these partnerships would be fruitful for the extension of the kingdom, for the honor of Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.